So I'd also show 60, Punching Fear in the Face, and Escaping Average with John Acuff. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hope you had a fantastic 4th of July weekend. Uh, great show for you today. My guest is John Acuff, uh, a best-selling author, speaker, uh, blogger, consultant. I was connected to John through Brian Orr of MentionTribe.com. So Brian, thank you for that introduction. Uh, news and updates before we get started. Uh, I do have a new iTunes review. This is five stars coming in from On the Way to Vegan. That's the username. Uh, he or she says uh, realistic and attainable, or realistic and actionable. Uh, Nick is a great interviewer and asks great questions without being obnoxious or formulaic. Um, I'm always striving for not obnoxious. So thank you so much for that. And with that, let's get right into the call with John. Hey, John, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. John Acuff is the best-selling author of Quitter and, and more recently, Start, Punch Fear in the Face, Escape Average, and Do Work That Matters. He's a blogger, a speaker, and a consultant, and actually one of the most prominent side hustle advocates. So, John, in my, when I was doing my homework, I came across this quote of yours where you say, I want the peace in knowing it wasn't for the lack of hustling that I missed a target for my dream. I want to know that the one thing in my control was under control. And I absolutely love that because when we're relying on somebody else for a paycheck, relying on somebody else for our livelihood, that is not a position of control. And maybe I'm a control freak, but that was always a little bit scary for me. Yeah, I think it was Jim Collins who I read a few years ago where he said, you know, you think that having one client, you know, is safe versus having a bunch, but he said, it's all the eggs in one basket. Um, it's, you know, sometimes I think we think entrepreneur is always risky, but I think every job has a degree of risk. Um, and especially any job you don't hustle at. And so it's encouraging to me that I continue to meet people that have side hustles and it's industries that 10 years ago, 20 years ago would not have had a side hustle are now going, wow, there's a lot of fun things you can do on the side. Yeah, my friend, uh, my friend Julian Gordon from SideHustler.com says, uh, you know, the kind of there's this shift in mentality where no longer you're you're just singularly tied to your employer. Your he's your shift is your employer is is just your biggest client, and so that kind of shift in mentality opens the doors to trying new things. Uh, you know, in the you know nights and weekends. Well, I think it makes you a better employee. I think that um, smart companies are realizing we want you out there learning and growing and hustling. And so we're not, you know, going to have kind of the old school version of you don't get to do any freelance on the side or you don't get, you know, it's all or nothing here. I think that there's a lot of companies that are progressive that are realizing the more you do on the side, you bring that back in and you become this emissary for change that, that helps us stay young and relevant and focused. Right. So you want somebody who's going to sit at home and, and watch four hours of TV a night or you want somebody who's building their skills on the side? Exactly. Like really understanding the bachelor is not going to add anything to your company. <laughs> Makes for good water cooler talk, I guess. I suppose. But let's talk about let's talk about punching fear in the face because starting a business is is scary. As scary as it might be to, you know, rely on just one paycheck for your livelihood, starting a business, the alternative is is scary in its own right. So how do you recommend somebody get started? I'm saying, hey, I'm working my nine to five. 
I, I'd love to run a business, but I just don't have any ideas on, on what, I should, what I should do to earn money. Well, I think the first thing is research. This is the golden age of research. You, you have no excuse right now to not you know, understand how to do new things. We have mo- more access to more content than we've ever had before. 30 years ago, if your father had that sense and said, you know what, I want to try something else, um, you know, I want to I do something else, he'd have to go to the library or talk to the 20 people he physically knew. Now you can start with so much research. So that's the first thing I'd say is learn, you know, learn a little. Um, the thing I always tell people is that you, you've got to start with learning and it's more available now than it ever has been before. And then the other thing is start small, build something on the side. That's why I like the side. We kind of have this dream addiction where we only believe that it's all or nothing. That's the only thing that counts. And so I meet a lot of people and they'll say, you know, say your dream was to write books. Maybe that's you want to be a a small business author and you want to write books and they'll say, I want to be a writer and I'll, I'll go, well, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with that? And I'll say, I got to quit my job so I can write full time. And I'll say, well, do you write on the weekend? I'll say, no. And I'll say, do you write, you know, after work? No. Do you go to writing conferences ever? No. Well, then you don't want to be a writer. You like (laughs) the word writer. You just don't like all the action. And unfortunately, that's what makes you a writer. And so that's the other thing I'd say is you do the research and then you figure out, okay, here's a small test I'm going to do. I'm going to add half an hour of this dream to, you know, two parts of my week. Um, and people always tell me, well, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And we are busy. You know, there was a stat, I'm a Harvard economist, found that we work an estimated 160 hours more than people did 20 years ago, which means 160 hours more a year, which is a whole new month of work. So we are busy, but then you, you know, cross that with the average American watches 35 hours of TV a week. So I'm not saying you have to be this, you know, like annoying person at the party that's like, I don't even own a TV. (laughs) That guy's the worst. (laughs) Like you watch Hulu and YouTube. Stop bragging that you don't own a TV. That counts. That counts. But I'm saying watch 10 hours less. You know, only watch one solid full day of TV a week. You'd be amazed what you can get with 10 hours. And so I'd say do some research. You don't have to find the perfect thing, but find something you want to work on and then add it to the side. Do the work. I like that. That's important to say, hey, I want to be a writer. Well, you know, why don't you get started? I want to be a I want to be a freelancer. Why don't you get started? I want to be a graphic designer. Well, you know, maybe this is some something you can do, you know, in that hour a day, you can carve out of your, uh, you know, carve out your time to make this happen and take take the baby steps to uh, to get something going. Yeah, yeah. I think there's I mean, I just think there's ways to do it. And and it's it's small, you know, beta. We live in a beta culture. You get to beta test things, whether it's online with the way you, you know, start a blog, whether it's, you know, you, you try a product, you do a digital product versus having warehouse space. I mean, there's so many ways for us to do small sample tests. Um, and that's why I try to encourage people. And again, the, the challenge is it's not as sexy as the I'm getting a machete and growing a goatee and I'm going to move to the jungle and I'm, you know, I'm going to have this exotic dream chasing definition. Um, <laughs> you know, you won't get, you won't get a going away party if you do the side hustle, but you'll get going somewhere important. Let's talk about the early days of the, of the blog, the, the stuff Christians like blog. Was this, um, where, where did the idea come from for this? Like, is it, here's a perfect example of how you can start writing, start putting your ideas out there to, to see what, what sticks and what doesn't. Oh yeah, I mean it was just a it was a complete ripoff. The, uh, the it wasn't a unique concept to me at all. I my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church, and I always felt like uh, we Christians sometimes 
took popular secular ideas and put God flavor on them and turned them into Christian ideas. So we, you know, got milk becomes got God or Adidas becomes ad Jesus. And I always thought that was just the cheesiest thing to do. And so (laughs) there was this site called Stuff White People Like, which was this guy, Christian Lander, who wrote this funny exploration of like, hey, here's all these silly things we Caucasians do. And I thought, what if I talked about the problem of Christians taking popular culture by riffing on this idea? So I did Stuff Christians Like, and the very first idea was, you know, Stuff Christians Like ripping off popular culture. And I thought I'd write about it for a week or two. I had probably 50 other URLs registered on GoDaddy.com at the time. Okay. Um, but for some reason, by I think it was day nine, 4,000 people showed up to read the blog. On the ninth just, day of the blog. Man, yeah, I, I would be happy day. to have those numbers a year deep into it. Yeah. So it was when I had my last blog, had I averaged 81 people a day. For the, for the first year. Huh. And I averaged like 34 people a month for the first 90 days. And so it was just this crazy experience. And so that's, that's kind of how it happened from there. And I've tried to do my best to maintain it and grow it. Um, vital, I mean, viral usually doesn't go vital. Um, there's a big difference between those two. Like you're never going to see a triple rainbow from the double rainbow guy. Like the hide your wife, hide your kids guy is not going to release a follow-up. Right, that right. Is, is viral. So what I've learned is how do you kind of grow something? How do you be deliberate with it? And and how do you change it? Yeah, how do you make it so it's not just a flash in the pan? Like you may get, you know, like you said, all of these, you know, YouTube videos for, you know, it spikes for a month or a week and then it's and then it's done. You can't really build a business off of that. Yeah, you don't build a business, you don't build a career, you don't you don't get to build a livelihood. And so I've been very fortunate that I've had wise people around me that have helped me do that. What do you think it was that kind of sparked the the growth right out of the gate for for the site? I think a big part of it was that that particular audience was underserved. You know, whether you're, you know, a Christian or not, no one, we can all agree that no one says, you know, who's hilarious? Christians. <laughs> um, that hasn't, you know, that hasn't been our reputation. Um, and so I think that I really benefited from a fairly empty market. Um, to tell you the truth, if I launched it today, it wouldn't grow the way it did. Um, because there's a lot more talented, funny people in the marketplace. And that's by no means to say that I was the first. I, w- I was not at all. There's been really talented, funny Christians that have, that have written blogs lo- much longer than I did. Um, so I'm not saying I was a pioneer. I, I just think that I benefited from a fairly open space that now, six years later, has more people in it. Okay, so this has been going on for quite some time. Uh-huh. Okay. No, I like the um I like the admission. Hey, this is a complete ripoff of the uh, stuff white people like blog. There's a there's a business a business idea framework uh that the the guys over at the Lifestyle Business Podcast, uh, now it's called the Tropical MBA Podcast, kind of talk about called the Rip Pivot and Jam uh framework basically where you can take somebody else's ideas, rip it to um you know, rip it off essentially, but then pivot it to make it your own and then go to town, you know, do the work and crush it, you know, day after day after day, um, to, uh, to really make it, uh, to make it your own and, and gain some traction on it. Well, and, and be honest about it, you know, like it, it's incredibly dishonest if you ask me how I came up with that and I go, well, I'm just so creative. <laughs> um, and so I said that a million times, like I've, you know, I'll forever say, no, 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 that wasn't, you know, this guy, Christian Lander, super talented writer, like, so that's not what I, you know, and, and it just becomes the stuff Christians like became kind of the first person to invite me to the dance. And then it's on you as, as you hustle to go, okay, well, I want to, I want to figure out how to do business books. I want to figure out how to transition. I, I had an experience with my job. It seems like a lot of other people are having the same experience. How do I 
lean into that. How do I serve a new audience? And so I, I think it's a, a variety of steps. But yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be a huge liar if I if I edited out what was true. Was the what, did the, did the blog start as a side hustle for you? Oh yeah, totally. I was working um, for a software company. Awesome, awesome. And and a friend said, you know, you and I started a blog in like. 2000, 2001, but it wasn't even called a blog. We weren't really even using that word. And I did it with Dreamweaver and it was just stupid and silly. And then I took like six years off from the internet. Um, not in like I went and grew a beard in a cabin, just I didn't write anything online. And a friend said, hey, you should try this. A, a guy, a programmer I worked with, uh, he was an interaction designer. And so I said, okay, I'll try it. And I did it for a year and it was small. And then I, I did the second one and that's the one that kind of took off. Cool, cool. Is there is the site monetized in any way? Um, not really. We're having that discussion right now. And by we're, I mean my wife and I. Okay. Um, it's this, it's an interesting pressure right now that, people like me feel like they face. And by that, I mean, I would self-identify as an artist and an author first. And there's a lot of business people who have written books as marketing tools, but wouldn't self-identify as an author and an artist first. So I'm really wrestling with the tension of what are the things I need to monetize without going, okay, I'm, I run a business 98% of the day and writing is the 2% that I just use to move the needle. Now, for me, it's the other way. Like I, I feel like I've got um, a message I want to share and I see the value and the importance of you know, how do I do my email list. I just spent two hours doing Infusionsoft training to figure out, okay, how do I get smarter at campaigns? So it's a balance, but no, other than, other than um, selling the books – and then selling conferences that you know that I that I got to hold, um, it hasn't been monetized that way. I've got some digital products I'm working on right now, so I'm at the start of a lot of that, and you know, a little bit of advertising. Okay, yeah, six years is a long time to go without trying to you know monetize the traffic. Yeah, my uh, wife, my wife would say that as well. She uh, she has pointed that. Well, now this is the first time in 16 years I haven't had a salary or a boss. Okay, uh, and so. I, it hasn't had to have worked as hard as it does now. Right, right. And salary, that's a weird one because like I write books full time. That's, that's essentially my salary. So when I say – it sounds so dramatic when I say it that way. I do mean though that I'm not part of a team for the first time. And when you become an entrepreneur, you start to have to ask the ROI question in a very intense, deliberate way. Yeah, it becomes, so, uh, it becomes a little bit more real. Yeah, it's very, like, it's very real. And it's you know for me to go – Okay, what you know? What is this serving, and how do I balance serving the audience versus just serving me? Um, and and how do I? But how do I go? Wow, blogging costs me real money from hosting and a, a lot of other stuff, and it costs me opportunity costs. So if I'm investing this amount of a limited amount of time I now have in this, how am I making this part of my overall? plan versus just it's fun to do on the side but i don't have to make it work that hard no it, it better like my hustle better be small compared to what the blog hustles but it turned into it kind of ended up being like a a, a, a gateway or a, a kind of led people into your platform into into your brand right and you said you're you're selling books you're selling conferences and all that jazz kind of as a maybe it's a funnel into that stuff well and also public speaking okay i mean that's probably you know that's probably my second or third biggest client is I'll speak 30 to 40 times a year. Okay. And a lot of those leads come in through the site. And so 
Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't define monetize so closely as I do the, you know, like if you sign up for this, you get the double upside down video that comes with a PDF. Like I haven't done that yet, okay. but I've definitely monetized it in bigger long-term plays. But I'm trying to get better at figuring out some ways to create things that I believe are valuable, that I believe are worth selling. Um, but I, I hate selling. Like it, ugh, I just hate, like I just, I feel like it's it's one of those things that, I need to get a lot better at. So I'm learning how to get better at it. Hey, entrepreneurs. We know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How do you know when a blog, if, if, if the blog doesn't have 4,000 visitors on day nine, how do you, like, how long do you, you keep should, it going? You should quit. You how should long quit do you keep going ten. before you know, like, that's the problem I have with blogging is like, there's no, there's no like defined endpoint or like whether you can gauge success or failure. It's like, yeah, a couple people read it. Some people leave comments, some people share it, but it's like, I, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you... I, I wish I wish I had an easy answer because we're we're trying to figure out that right now. Um, I guess part of it is the question why, why are you doing it? My wife the other day said that to me about blogging. And said why do you, why do you blog? And I said what do you mean? And she said well how many times this year will you blog? And I calculated it up and it was like three hundred and twelve. Wow. And she said that's ridiculous. That's the that's so dumb. <laughs> she's like well why do you do it? And I, and I came up with all these crazy reasons that weren't true. And so part of it is unwrapping my ego from it, Um, unwrapping the idea that sometimes we do things because we know how to do them, but that doesn't mean you should still do them. Um, well, if you're doing it 300 said, times a year, it must you mean you must like it. It must give you some sort of you know inherent joy or or happiness to to put that kind of content out to the world. Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's some there, but you know, there's 
for for me, I I, I want to make sure it doesn't become a hiding place from writing books because writing books is kind of the purpose I know I'm supposed to do, and is scary because it is something that I feel like I'm supposed to do. So it's easy sometimes to hide from the things we're supposed to do with things we know we're we we know how to do. Um, and so yeah, so I I guess I guess I'd say why Jenny said to me, you know, my wife, you blog like it's still 2008. Like you still write the same style, like it's 800 word posts and it's X amount of times a week. You know, when you started, Instagram didn't exist. Twitter was barely on the map. Um, you know, Facebook private groups weren't full of communities. Like you, you haven't evolved. And I think that's a good question. So to a blogger who goes, oh, I don't know, like, when should I stop? When should I start? When should I lean in? When should I not? I think you have to understand why are you doing it? You know, what's the purpose, you know, and, and for some people it is, I just like to work out ideas in my head and it's a great environment. Now for somebody else, it might be, I'm afraid of writing my books. So I'm going to write a bunch of blog posts that are unconnected and are just reactive. And then I can go, Oh, I'm too busy to do my book. So I really think it's on a, it's a, it's a personal, it's a personal decision. No, I really, I really like that. And that kind of leads into a, a listener question that, that came in and kind of, uh, you know, going deeper into like the, why am I doing this? She asks, uh, this comes in from, um, from Monica over at monicaonmoney.com. She asks, what keeps you so ambitious and motivated to succeed in life? That's, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think part of it is it's fun. Um, there's a lot of, I always tell people the side hustle better be fun because it's the side. Like if you want boring, you can go get a boring job tomorrow. Um, but the side hustle should be fun. And so I, I like to speak, I, you know, I have a lot of fun when I get to do that. It's, that's a, that's a huge fun thing that I, that I get to be part of. Um, I spoke this morning, we do something called the six club and, uh, it's at from 6am to 7am. I teach a free lesson and we network and I got to spend, you know, 75 people showed up at like 6am in the morning. That's, that's awesome. You know, and we hustled and I, we got to kind of celebrate the wins we'd had that, that, you know, that month and kind of really encourage each other and it's completely free. And so I think that, you know, it's such a cliche. What would you do even if you didn't get paid for it? Like, but it's, there's some truth there and I didn't get paid this morning and I, I had a blast. Um, and I'll, I'll do it again and we'll, we'll live stream it. And so I think part of it is the, the, the fun there, um, the the passion also but also remembering that you know it's not going to feel amazing every day um and giving yourself permission to say wow like today sucked like even as i worked on things that i know are important that i care about i did not care about them today that's the whole thing with blogging blogging is amazing and fun 100 percent of the first day you're checking Google Analytics and you're like telling your friends and then you enter the grind on day two through the rest of it. That doesn't mean you won't have fun moments. There are a ton of fun moments in that. But anybody who's accomplished something successful will tell you it wasn't rainbows every day. Right. You choose to lean into it. So I think there's passion. I think there's fun. Um, and I, I think that I've learned that it's always more interesting to help other people change their life than it is to obsess about your own. So a lot of times when I... You know, if I get discouraged or if I feel like, you know, quitting or giving up, I try to remember the people that the stuff I'm doing is impacting and that that's a bigger story than my own. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's got to be, um, you know, it's got to be something you enjoy. Otherwise, what would be the point of it? Because you're the last thing you need is another is another like, you know, second day job that you hate going. To. It's not the side misery. <laughs> right. Like, it's the side hustle. Love it. 
I want to talk for a minute about um, about a fear of mine, and that's I don't know if I've talked about this on on this show, but maybe on some other shows, and that's living an average life, a quote average life, and that's where the the subtitle "Escape Average" speaks to me, and it reminds me of a, a friend of mine back from high school had um, a little patch on the sleeve of his Letterman's jacket that said "Average is my enemy," and I think that was a good reminder, like every day, not to see that. But how do we define? average and and how can listeners escape it in the book yeah i i think average is um is living a, a life less than the than the one you're capable of um and i think we need to make an important distinction that there's a difference between average and content sometimes we we think that to escape average means you have to immediately jump into amazing and we find five people online that look like they have amazing lives and we look at ours and go ugh. It's not, it's not enough. It's average. I don't have success like so-and-so. I think we get into this really toxic place. So I think you know, my goal is to learn to be content with the things I have and the effort I've put into it. Um, I love um, um, Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield, mm-hmm. when he talks about he, – he just released a new book. And he said, hey, I have very little control over how the book will do. And he said there are, there are great projects that sell poorly and there are poor projects that sell well. And he said, my, what I get to do is put the effort in and ask myself those questions of, did I give it all? Did I lean into it hard? Did I try my best? Did I do, you know, did I do the labor right? Um, and I don't get to look back and go, the results weren't exactly what I wanted. They weren't the size of somebody else's. And so I think for me, average is when you know you're not living the life you're supposed to live. And I, and I, again, I would temper that with, and don't think that means I now have to go win a Grammy or I now have to have a blog that has a million readers or I now have to make X amount of dollars. I think that's, I think that's just as dangerous as living an average life because you end up just running yourself ragged and not, a, not enjoying the stuff you get to do along the way anyway. And so I, I remember when we lived in Atlanta, I used futureme.org to write myself a letter and I, I put it in the book Quitter and essentially you know, made sure it came a year later and said, hey, you've got enough. You know, you have a beautiful wife and you, you have a house you can afford to pay the mortgage on and you have two kids and you get to write some. And I had a day job at the time. It wasn't that I, you know, had done a bunch of things. I, I maybe spoken 10 times at, at that point, but it was enough. And so I think that's the great danger is to, to assume that your two options are average or super wicked awesome famous. <laughs> and I, that can't be your two options. No, that's really, really powerful stuff. Average is living a life less than you're capable of. And it goes back to that control, like he, like um, Stephen Pressfield, right? I can't control the outcome, but I can control the work. I can control my input and, you know, then you know, put it out to the world and see what happens. I guess that's yeah, all you and, can do. and that's the scary fun part. And thanks for sharing futureme.org. I never heard of that. That's kind of like the, uh, the Brad Paisley. I'm going to write a letter to me, huh? Yeah, it's, it's great. I've used it. I've used it a ton. And a friend of mine named Lanny Donahoe told me about it and basically said, hey, you know, this is a spot where you can send, you know, imagine a project. Imagine, imagine you get hired by a client and you're consulting with them and you, you realize like an hour in, this is horrible. I shouldn't have said yes to this project. This is not the type of project I need to do. The money confused me, whatever. And, but you're going to finish the project. Like you're going to, you know, honor that commitment. You're going to knock it out. But there's a party that says, I will never take clients like this again. And then with future me, you write yourself an email that comes a year later 
so that a year later when you've forgotten that lesson and you're about to go, oh, that's a lot of money. I should totally <laughs> – yeah, I mean – Ethically, you're different than me and values you're different than me and you've already been a jerk in our negotiations early. I'll pretend you'll be nice the rest of the time. Yeah. No, if somebody's a jerk to you up front, they're going to be a jerk consistently. And you get this email from the past from yourself that essentially says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. Like, like I know you're confused right now. Don't. <laughs> so, John, go, let's go back to the side hustle framework. If you have only an hour a day to work on your business, how are you going to spend that time? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess it really depends on the, the type of business. Um, I th- wasn't it Abraham Lincoln that said, you know, if I only had four hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend, the th- you know, I'd spend three hours sharpening the axe and one hour chopping or something folksy like that. Then I'm sure I saw right, one, of, one of my favorite quotes. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the quote. So I, so I guess I'd, fi- I'd figure out how to, you know, I'd spend an hour, I'd spend 45 minutes figuring out the things I needed to spend my time on and 15 minutes actually executing them. And I think my goal would be that the better I got at the upfront, the more I got to do the back half. So my goal over time would be, I'm so in line on what I'm supposed to be working on that it's 10 minutes up front. And I go, these are the 10 things. These are still the 10 things. I'm in the right spot. And then here are the 50. And I'd spend 50 minutes actually doing them. Um, but I think at the start, our temptation is, especially with social media, we, it's so easy to sign up for things that we over-sign up and over-commit and over-extend. And we go, it was so easy to launch a blog. And we never go, why are we doing a blog? And so I'd much rather you spend you know, the bulk of the hour coming up with that answer because you might end up, you know, at the last 10 minutes, you might just go, yeah, I don't need a blog. I need to be on Facebook and I don't, you know, my audience isn't, isn't, you know, a blog reading audience. So I don't need that. So that's what I'd say is I'd spend, if I could at the start, I'd spend, you know, 90% of the time figuring out the right things to do and, and 10% doing them. And then I'd spend, hopefully over time, you change that balance. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. 
your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Awesome. John, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing all this wisdom with the Side Hustle Nation listeners. Everybody check him out at stuffchristianslike.net and acuff.me and all the books are on amazon.com and wherever fine books are sold. John, we'll wrap up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Uh, my number one tip is don't be ashamed of fear. I had somebody once tell me that we have feelings about our feelings. And for a lot of people, when they become afraid, they're ashamed that they're afraid. And it just becomes this horrible cycle. You're going to be afraid. Like, welcome to the side hustle. Fear, fear is going to get loud in the midst of this. When it shows up, acknowledge it, admit it. And then do the things you're supposed to do regardless of it. But don't feel shame that you're the only side hustler that feels fear. Like, you're not. I do too. People always, I always tell people, fear doesn't care if you have a New York Times title. Like, it just gets bigger. Right. So it's, and then the expectations people, increase. Yeah, the expectations increase. And so the, I, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, what's it like to be done with fear? And I think that's adorable. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll let you know should I ever reach that, you know, state of mind. But as it is... Yeah, they're, they're waiting for me at my desk every time I sit down to write, but I still have to write anyway. Yeah. Awesome, John. Thanks so much, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Nick. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Acuff. Perhaps not as tactical as some of our other shows, but hopefully valuable content nonetheless. If you, uh, if you liked it or if you've read any of John's books, please drop in a comment at sidehustlenation.com slash episode 60. Actually, if you... If you thought it sucked, you can drop in a comment too. Either way, it's fine by me. And while you're there, if you're not already joined to the Side Hustle Nation email list, why not get yourself signed up? It's free. I'm going to send over a copy of my guide to the five fastest ways to earn more money. Plus, you'll have the inside track to my very best content. So that's it for the show. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll see you next week in episode 61. Oh, and if you are traveling to Portland this weekend for World Domination Summit, have an awesome time. I'm so sorry I can't be joining you this year. Uh, I'll definitely be following along the WDS uh, hashtag on Twitter. So be sure to, uh, to post lots of updates and look forward to hearing all about it. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.